Oh, back to school, back to school, to prove to dad that I'm not a fool. I got my lunch pail packed, my boots tied tight, I hope I don't get in a fight. Oh, back to school. Wow. <laughs> That was so stupid. I thought our harmony was good that time. Yeah, for like like the American Idol like bad tryouts. Well, for being our third time going through that, I thought <laughs> I, I thought I, I thought our harmony sounded great there. Oh my gosh. Oh, well guys, we are on episode number 2. Thank you so much for joining us today uh, with school just around the corner. We thought we would do a couple of back to school episodes. Uh Today we've got a very special guest, uh, not exactly sure why he agreed to come on, <laughs> but, but he did, and he's way more qualified to talk about homeschooling than Ooh, homeschooling. we are, yes, homeschooling. I had a couple friends that I grew up with, and... The weird ones? Yes, actually. <laughs> and it's weird that there is like this weird like stigmatism about homeschool kids. Uh-huh. Like I had a friend, and he was super nice, he was really awesome, but we'd always call him homeschool Nate. Yeah. And just so that like kind of differentiate, like, you know, there's Nate M, there's Nate A, and then there's also homeschool Nate. Like, <laughs> and actually, to be, you know, thinking about it, he wasn't that weird, but it was just like, well, he's homeschooled, so he's automatically yeah. weird. But anyway, uh, I'm really excited about our guest. Uh, not only that, not only do we have uh, a guest coming on talking about homeschooling, uh, next week's episode, or next time we actually record this uh, podcast, we're going to have a friend of mine on. His name is Seth Wiles, and he's going to share his story about how he didn't get saved at a Christian private school. What? Yeah, his parents sent him there, and he didn't get saved. No. You're joking, right? No, I'm being dead serious. <laughs> he got saved a few years later, and I actually had the privilege of baptizing him, and that was it was really awesome. That's awesome. I can't wait for that interview. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. But hey, before we jump into our interview, I just want to just throw out there a couple thank yous. Thank you guys so much for listening to the episode one. Um, it was it was just amazing to hear some of the feedback from you guys. Some um, great. Uh, uh, constructive critiques, and we're going to try and uh, fix those things and try and make this episode a lot shorter than our first episode. Yeah, uh, yeah, we need to do Sorry that. about that. Yeah. But then also, uh, just uh, some people even came up and said they got a chance to read our blogs on our website. So everybody, thank you, thank you so much for supporting us, and it means the world to us that you guys are giving uh, your, um, your opinions, and we really want your feedback. So... We'll, we'll give you uh, ways later in the episode that you can uh, communicate back with us. Yeah, so. and just like, just remember, we're learning along the way. <laughs> like, we, we're, we found out, we learned a lot of lessons from our first episode. Like, you know, Chad broke YouTube with the video. <laughs> he just, he broke it. It was broken. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and we're not very good at Twitter. No, we no, suck at Twitter. We're really bad at it. I don't, I don't even know how to really use it until we, we signed one. It's 140 characters. That's your limit. That's yeah, all that's you got. Yeah, that's not enough for me. That's not enough characters. All right, guys, let's do it. All right, this is not your pastor's podcast. Right. 
Hey guys, episode two is here and we have got a very special guest. Sean Costello joins us today to talk about homeschooling. Well, thanks for having me on. This is uh, how these normally start, right? <laughs> so, Sean, we were talking off air. You you made a very interesting statement. You said that Tommy Boy is by far the greatest Chris Farley movie ever. Hands down, and I will defend that. So not even Almost Heroes, Black Sheep, uh, his rare appearances in uh, Billy Madison from time to time. I can't go there. If any cameo <laughs> does do it, it's... Dirty jobs with Norm MacDonald, but that's oh a story my, for another day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I vaguely remember that movie. I have no shame. No shame. <laughs> Today, guys, we're going to be talking about homeschooling. Ooh. Yes, homeschooling. All you weird homeschooling kids, get ready for this episode. <laughs> you just wow. made so many people mad. Wow. I was not going there for the record. No. Somebody's got to be the weird like host. I guess I'll be the weird host. Yeah, I don't. I'm. I don't think we're gonna gain a whole lot of fans today talking about homeschooling. So, a couple weeks ago, I threw a post out on Facebook: when to homeschool and when not to homeschool. Should I send my kids or no? And I really posed that question wrong because what I got was flooded with pro homeschooling <laughs> uh, people. And which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it, just in our church culture, uh, homeschool seems like the route to go. It's right up there with uh, being as holy as Christ if you were a parent that made the de- decision to send your kid to homeschool. Yeah. Right along with eating organic and really healthy. Oh, like there, there are two things that have to happen. Like you have to feed your kid organic food. And you have to homeschool them. Like that's like that's the criteria now in the new church age, I guess. And what happens if you don't? Um, well, excommunication. <laughs> what else? Uh, so bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm that host, I guess. Now. <laughs> no. So, for the record, we are not anti-homeschool, but there's this culture within church. Uh, where people feel like their child is not going to be saved or they must not love their child if they're sending them to public school. I think Jess, she's actually gotten before in different moms groups, uh, you know, well, I love my child because I homeschool them. You know, and the implication there is if you're not homeschooling, you must not love your child. Hmm. And and so like the the way this whole topic like got started in my mind is last winter Alex you and I we were studying uh, eschatology Ooh. yeah do you ever decide which which way you're gonna go with eschatology I think I'm gonna go with the the way that I get to go home early I'm I'm definitely pre-trib <laughs> pre pre-trib post-trib <laughs> mid-trib amillennial pre-millennial post-millennial or maybe you just don't care you. And you're just going to wait and see what happens. Yeah. There's a lot of those people out there. The bottom line is we win, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we win by having Sean on with us today. Yes. <laughs> so, Sean, why don't you give us your credentials yeah, so sure. that way people know. Um, as we talk about education, I come at it for a while. I've been in education for 20 years now, approximately. Um, and I've done every job that exists in a school, including uh, stripping floors and emptying waste baskets as a janitor. Oh, wow. As the guy who answers the phone at the front desk to being a teacher, to being a principal, and now a superintendent of a school district uh, for the Diocese of Lansing. So I have 34 schools. Uh, four of those are high schools, about 9,100 kids. 
9,100 kids. That's Correct. Incredible. Under your, your kind of, I don't want to say rule because you're not like an emperor. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> uh, I like to think of it as partnering with parents. I yeah. mean, that's what I do with 9,200 kids. Um, I taught in public schools. I taught at a, a non-denominational private boarding school with the uber wealthy, if I dare use that term. Uh, I taught in a prison where I helped inmates get their GED so that they could try and get a second chance at life. That's awesome. Like and, an Andy Dufresne? Well, not so much because I wasn't in prison. <laughs> I was just helping at prison. There's a world of difference between at and in. Uh, Alex was at prison this weekend. I was. So was Chad. And I went to jail. We had a... We had a Very we had fun-filled. That, that'll probably be weekend. a later uh, podcast yeah. episode. It was going to be super fun. But currently in my work, so I 92 or 9,100 kids approximately, um, and then I also work with uh, four different homeschool associations as well. Oh wow! So you 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 definitely see things on both sides of the fence. Well, absolutely. You know, education's a unique thing because, you know, as Jason was pointing out in this situation, what you have is parents are dealing with their most precious commodity, their child, mm-hmm. and. I hold, and this is a principle that I have held dearly to in, in my work, is that parents are the primary educator. They're the first educator. The first words that come out of your child's mouth, hopefully, are, are taught by you, right? The first steps they take are taught by you. Mm. I think yeah. Ada's first word's gonna be Pokemon. Oh, stop it. <laughs> and she's gonna take her first steps looking for them. Dad, <laughs> <laughs> dad, Pikachu. There's no doubt I look at this as a very, uh, tense conversation mm. not us around this table of course but just for parents because we live in times that are seen as uncertain mm. you know i'm yeah. a product of public schools i'm a, I'm a proud public uh, i graduated from lakeville high school go falcons <laughs> and uh, i was there from kindergarten all the way through my senior year um, but the public schools don't look today like they did when i was there mm. um, to be honest with you public schools historically have always reflected the community of which they reside in and I think we have to acknowledge that. Hmm. Wow. I could say one thing without a doubt in this episode is people are going to hate me and you, Alex. <laughs> and they're going to love Sean. <laughs> but that's why, honestly, that's why we wanted you to come on because we wanted somebody with a whole lot more experience than us. Alex and I, we're not, we're not educators. Uh, we're just being pushed through this whole process of, do we send our kids to public sure. school? Do we send them to private school? Do we homeschool them? What do we do with our kids? What's best for them? Yeah, that's, that, I'm not saying it's keeping me up at night, but sometimes I'll be, I'll be you know, at work doing something and all of a sudden the idea will pop into my head. Maybe, maybe we could homeschool, but then again, I think my wife would go bald from stress and <laughs> like a Marge Simpson type situation <laughs> where she would just go bald with dress and freak out and be like, all right, that's it. They're all going to private school. And then we would go into huge amounts of debt. And then eventually yeah. we would just have to homeschool them on a farm somewhere in the UP or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, <laughs> I've literally been there. So, I mean, I'm going to post a blog about this and, and hopefully it doesn't ruffle too many feathers, but where I was going before with the whole eschatology thing is we're studying the rapture and we're learning all the different perspectives and, and mindsets and, and views that go into that. And then I happened to watch uh, 
left behind with Nicolas Cage because it was on Netflix. Why wouldn't you watch something else on Netflix? I don't know. There are so many great movies. I just thought we were studying this topic so hard that I just wanted some comic relief out of it. <laughs> so, you know, and in this scene, like, you, you know what's going to happen in the movie Left Behind. And so, you know, the rapture happens and, and just in the blink of an eye, all the Christians are gone. And most of them are, are kids. You know, all the kids are gone from every scene, and then the world just disintegrates into chaos. And it's just this really cheesy Hollywood production of it. Nick Cage lands an airplane, you know, after everybody's gone with no ground contact. That's high praise. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was funny. It was, it was funny to me. <laughs> and so, if everybody's pulling their child out of public school, what does the public school look like? That, that's what I started thinking of after, I, I, I don't know why I immediately went to public school, but if all the Christians are pulling their child out of public school, then what's it look like? Because I sat through so many, and the church we used to go to, I, I I, I criticize them a lot. I called them Fox News sermons. Oh it's, my gosh. It's like they weren't reading their Bible all week long. They were watching Fox News, and then you got a Fox News sermon at the end of it. So uh, homeschooling was taught from the pul pulpit a lot. And if you weren't homeschooling, then you were doing something wrong. And so there was just all this pressure from all sides. And you're talking about the anxiety. How old's Ada? Seven months. She's seven months. So I want to say when Oliver and Gunner, uh, my two oldest, were like two and three years old, I mean, I was, I was terrified. We were researching everything. You know, we'd have guest speakers at church, and they would come up, and they would say, they don't even, they don't even recite the pledge with, uh, with under God in it anymore. And, you know, the collective gasp from the whole church goes up, and, and I just go like... I, Maybe I don't love my child. And so I really, I really pressured Jess into trying to homeschool. Like I really tried to make her fit that mold. And it's not right for her. Uh, she's not cut out for uh, homeschooling. And I don't say that to insult her. N not at all. I'm, she would say it herself. She always, she always says, you know how some animals eat their young? <laughs> She's like, I would eat them. Like if they, <laughs> if they, were, if they were home, I would, I would go nuts. And so I think, I don't think I'm alone in saying I had that kind of influence come from the pulpit. I think churches all across them, all across the country do the same exact thing. And that's the kind of mindset that we want to talk about. Kind of that fear driven, your kids are going to be lost forever. If you send them into public school, you have no control. You should absolutely be worried about their salvation if they enter public school. And I can say now that our kids have been in public school for a couple years, a lot of the fear-induced things that we, we were taught in church, just they're not true. Mm. They're not true at all. Like I haven't, I haven't really experienced any of them. Now, my kids go to an awesome school district. They go to, they go to Davison. And as you were saying, it's a reflection of the community. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I see. So there's all kinds of positive influence within the Davison School District. And a lot of the things we heard in church, maybe they're true on a, from a national sense. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, I have volunteered at, at the school 
uh, on a handful of occasions now through, uh, it's called uh, Watch Dogs. It's a program for dads to get involved uh, in their child's education. So I, I go around and I help students in each classroom for 20 minutes at a time. And you bounce around. And it's, the kids are fantastic. They are so excited to see a dad come in there, hey, watchdog, and they run up and give you hugs and stuff, and it's just, it's just this really cool experience, and every time I go in to visit, I realized two things. Uh, what I was taught from the pulpit was wrong. I mean, all the fear tactics that were used, the stats they, they said, uh, they simply aren't true within my school district, and I think that speaks more to the community than maybe anything else. I don't know. Well, I would offer to you a thought. When you started here, you were mentioning how you did all this research. Yeah. And I think that's exactly the right thing to start with. I mean, how many parents go into this mode? You're talking about, you know, your daughter's not even a year old and you're thinking about schools. Schools are a public entity. You pay your taxes. You have every right to, to enter them and to find out. And I would encourage parents that very thing. You know, to, to consider homeschooling without looking at all the options or to consider public schools without looking at all the options or private schools, you know, the, the, the local Christian school that's available. I think you've got to ask yourself, what are the options that are on the table? If you're going to buy a car, do you just look at the lot and just point at one, I'll take that one, or do you go in and do you test drive it? Do you test drive a second and a third and see how it handles and see how it drives and all those various pieces? This is your child. I would hope that you would do a little more than just assume they're going to follow on one track or the other. Because I think as a parent, you have to figure that piece out. Now, okay, so this is when I'm going to try and ruffle some feathers, I guess. So here I go. Sean, do you think at times that maybe the private school option or the homeschool option that parents may take is a, um, a way for them to maybe relax a little bit on their responsibilities to disciple their children. I'm going to make a very controversial statement and say oh. if they are, I think they're foolish. Ooh. And here's why. Okay. It doesn't matter where you send your kids. Really what needs to take place is a partnership between hmm. you and the educating entity that you go to. It is. It's a partnership. And partnership is not a passive verb. Partnership is, is an active thing, right? You have to do your part. They have to do their part. You know, what happens at school should be an outstretch of what's happening in the home and vice versa. So that your child is not getting conflicting messages, so that your child has an understanding that, you know, certain rules that belong in the classroom are also rules we have at the house. You know, it could be, I'm not allowed to stand on certain furniture. <laughs> you know, it's a simplistic, you know, analogy to that, but it's true. Kids are, de you know, they're developing and there are certain things that helps them understand. And I think we have to acknowledge that. If you're planning on just dropping your kid off at a door and not being vested in any way, quite honestly, chances are you're going to find failure. Mm. Man. Yeah, and I think that's, that's one of the things that Jess and I determined. So, so we, really, uh, we really looked into the public school route. I mean, the, not the public, the private school route. And uh, without looking at the cost, because immediately when we looked at the cost, it was not an option for us. So... We, we investigated it anyway. So, you know, we'll put the cost aside. And with our uh, church's beliefs at the time, we found a school in Ohio because we wanted the, the school to be associated. Let's drive four hours every morning to drop our kids no, off. No, we were, we were planning on moving to Ohio. All the Ohio. way to Ohio? Yeah. No, 
you know, no jobs lined up, nothing. I mean, we found a school in Ohio because there wasn't a school in the area that uh, believed like we believed. You taught the same things that we, we wanted our kids to learn. And we, that was very important to us at the time. And, and so, I mean, I'm, I'm going through all of our possessions, what we can sell to make this happen. Because by the time we did look at the price, I mean, it, it was way more than we could have ever afforded. It was way more. And then considering the move and everything else and, and everything that went into it, uh, it just, it wasn't an option for us. And that was kind of heartbreaking because we thought that was our only option. And so I think you look at the, the, um, the opposite of private school is, well, we'll homeschool because then they'll get the education, but they'll, you know, it's, it's substantially cheaper. But when, uh, you know, and like I said, I pressured Jess into tr- tr- trying to do that for the longest time. And now I, I look back on it, I've, I feel like such a jerk. But, but I mean, the, these are the things that keep you up at night. You know, my children's education is important. So through the lens of the gospel, right, we started looking at public school. And we started saying, okay, if we go to private school, um, I'm going to have to work several jobs. I'm never going to be home. The private school is going to raise my child. I mean, it goes back to the discipleship thing we were talking about. I would not have been able to be home to disciple them. Uh, when we looked at homeschooling, it, it just wasn't the right option for us. When we looked at public school, we said, okay, we're going to send them to public school. But our investment in their lives is going to be the same as if we had homeschooled them. We're going to go to all the field trips, all the the classroom parties, all the parent-teacher um, conference meetings, and we're going to be 100% invested. And when when I started to look back at that in terms of the gospel, I was like, that makes a whole lot of sense to go. <laughs> Therefore, you know, and, and um, looking back at it now, I can share story after story after story of... Um, Oliver's got so many of them alone of just him in different situations in public school that we've got to invite people to church or we've got to help people that we otherwise wouldn't have never met. And, and to me, that's just, uh, if, if Christians across the board are removing all their kids from public school, then who's there to have that gospel influence? I kind of think about, so a couple things. I kind of think about when uh, Paul is in, uh, it's in Acts 19, I think it is. He's at the Hall of Tyrannus, which was um, in Ephesus. It was almost like a school, like almost like a university. Wait, Alex, you're talking about the Bible. Do you want a cigarette? Oh, um, no. Okay. Because smoking's a sin. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail you. You totally derailed <laughs> me. Thanks a lot. You embarrassed me in front of Sean. Oh. <laughs> You should be. <laughs> <laughs> but Paul is in this public arena, and he's preaching Christ. He's, and he's preaching Christ crucified and resurrected, which was, is amazing in and of itself. And so, but he's in a public area. And then you think about, oh, so this is a little bit more childish, I guess, but you think about that song, uh, uh, I've got a light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Sing this it, little Alex. light of mine. Sing it. And then the second verse is, hide under a bushel. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you think about 
if you think about it, if we say, you know what, we're not going to send our kids to public school out of fear. And I think that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about fear homeschooling. Like, I'm scared that the world is going to hijack my kid, is going to tell my child that they are the opposite gender, and that they can use whatever bathroom they want, and they can dress however they want. And that sends a shiver down people's spines. They say, you know what, I am going to take this little light of mine, this child of mine that is made in the image and likeness of God, and I'm going to hide it under a bushel. Yeah, you buried your talent. Exactly. Well, I, I'd like to take it one, one degree away from that just okay. to say I, our job as parents is to form our children, mm-hmm. right? We create intentional disciples. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. And then we send them out in the world, hopefully, right? I, I think we have to acknowledge that we have to allow parents time to do that formation in the environment that they think is best. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are, and this goes back to the idea of common good, because I know you're going the route of pulling your kids out of fear. Mm-hmm. But I think what we've got to realize is that it's not good enough for me just to love my children, right? I need to love everybody's children. I need to love my neighbor, right? That's what Christ calls us to, right? Love God above all things. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's a really tough... Th- I actually think loving God is much easier than the second half. I just <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, it you is. Know, loving your neighbor as yourself is tough. So if you want to homeschool your family out that, that's a wonderful option. That's a wonderful choice you've taken. But what are you doing for your neighbor? What are you doing for those kids? Because if that school is so horrible that you're not willing to put your child in that environment, why are you willing to let the neighbor put their child there? What are you doing to make it better? If you think about it, your, your public school is governed by a school board of elected officials. You know, if you don't like it, fix it. Get involved, get active. Get your church community active and get somebody on the school board to help set policy and governance. Well, wait a second, Sean. It sounds like you're telling people to do something. Correct. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's partially the problem. Like, There's a little bit of an entitlement attitude like, oh, if this, if this school does not fit every criteria of how I want it to you know, raise my child for me. And I think some parents think that like, oh, my gosh, like this is the 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 daycare center or the, or the school or whatever, that's, that's their job is also to help raise my child when it's actually, no, 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 they're supposed to educate them as well as come alongside you and help you educate. And does that make any sense? Am I making any sense or if I might? Well, let me offer you this. And I use this line a lot, which is that your children are always learning. The question is what, right? Kids are always learning. The question is what, and some kids are learning wonderful truths about science and mathematics and other kids are learning how to cheat better Hmm. right i mean there's but they're always learning the question i would ask parents is who's teaching your children right and what are you doing to influence that and to be a part of that decision man that's so deep in third grade i totally cheated off of christy smith's math test and I, I was the only person, her and I were the only person to get everything right, except for one, because she had her hand over it and I couldn't see it. I once had a student that cheated so badly <laughs> that in the name spot, he put the other kid's name. <laughs> that's a true story. It's a true story. Yeah, that's funny. But you said something that's, uh, you, know, you know, here I am, I send my kids to public school, but even what you're saying is even convicting to me to get involved on a whole nother level of know who's on the school board. Mm-hmm. I, I can't name a single person on Davidson school board. I can't, and I should. That's kind of sad. 
I, I should know that. And, and you think about, okay, and you mentioned it too, you, you, you talked about uh, you know, trans issues or bathroom issues or sexual orientation issues. And you know, when I, when I go to school with my kid, I don't see any of those issues brought up. I, I, I'm sure they do at, you know, uh, maybe in the middle school or the high school, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they do, but I'm saying there's, there's a lot of stuff like that that may be true on a national sense, but is not true within your local school district. And if you never go to visit your local school district and see what it's about, you'll never, you'll never know. So like, I mean, we're fed all these stats and stuff at the, at the church I grew up with. But yet at Davison schools, I think it was the first day of the school, they allowed local area youth pastors to come in and pray with their, their church students underneath the flagpole. And it's like, where was that from the pulpit? Like that wasn't mentioned. It was just all the negative stuff because they had withdrawn from it. They had never, they had never went to... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, are the pastors that are preaching that kind of fear-mongering about public schools, they're not the ones actually in the schools at all. They, exactly. And so we've created a battlefield out of the public school systems. And when you go out to the battlefield, you realize there's not a battle out there. <laughs> well... I hope, I hope not. And I think you're right. In Davison, you've got a pretty, uh, how shall we say, uh, I don't want to use the word normal, but I'll use the word normal, just kind of your regular old-fashioned values, small-town America. And I think that's true to an extent. Yeah. Part of the dilemma is you bring up these issues. You know, I run, again, 34 schools, and, uh, you know, with the real strict, ours is simple. God created you a man or God created you a woman and use the facilities that reflect that period. There's our policy. <laughs> I mean, that is, that's my policy. Yeah. What's nice about, so you take Davison, which is a school district that's, that's got some funding behind it, right? Yeah. And if they needed to pass a millage, they could. So as they start to deal with these issues, you know, the truth is that they're going to be able to put in the facilities that will allow for discrete use of facilities that are unisex in nature, right? The, the old fashioned locker rooms that you and I grew up with, are gonna look vastly different. Yeah. But when you look at other districts, let's say some of the other neighboring districts that are just in real high poverty areas, they're not gonna receive the funding for that. There's no funding that's been tied to this with the most, least, most recent uh, mandates from the state and federal government. That's where you're going to see those battles take place. Because yeah. Davison will be able to discreetly kind of put it away. Yeah. Flint will not. Mm. Well, hey guys. Uh, we got lots more to talk about, but we got to take a quick commercial break. So uh, we'll be back in a second with Sean. Oh, hello there. I didn't see you come in. My name's Jason. You may remember me from such podcasts as the one you're currently listening to. I've been writing a song to help you to remember to share this episode with your friends. It's called... Share this with your friends. And it goes a little something like this. Share this with your friends. Your friends until the end. And God will bless you. And your wildest dreams will come true. Alex, knock it off! What are you doing? I'm trying to record a song here! No! <laughs> 
got an altar boy uniform. It's a choir robe and it's all taken off. It's full of dust and bugs. It needs to be dry cleaned. <sighs> he ruins everything. Sorry, so I'm sorry you had to see that. Let me try, let me try this again. Share this with your friends. Your friends until the end. And God will bless you and your wildest dreams will come true. Alex, I had no idea. You've been given the voice of an angel. Jason, that's not all I've been given. I've been given wonderful friends who have already listened and subscribed to our podcast. But that's not all we want you to do. We want you to start using the hashtag AskNYPP, and that way you can become a part of the conversation. And who knows, maybe we'll read your comment on the show. Thank you so much, and God bless. Now, back to the show. guest Sean and so at the beginning of this you laid out all of your credentials for us which were mighty impressive but that is not how I know you I know you as Chandre the Giant <laughs> roller derby referee it's true do you want to talk about that uh, I've been in roller derby for what two years uh, although I'm really on a hiatus at this time um, you know, what happens when you drive down I-69 and you see a, a sign that says Derby tonight? So my wife and I showed up and she was immediately enthralled. And uh, so she started to go to practice and then told me there was a shortage of refs. And I grew up, my mother's from Canada, so I grew up with hockey skates on. And uh, here we are. I started ref and roller derby. Where else can you, you know? Get on skates, go fast, and knock people down. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> so you, you've never met Sean before, but I bet you've seen him at one of Jess's bouts. I'm almost certain. Probably. That he was there refing. I'm so mad that I'm not at more of those. They're so fun. Especially when you sit in, like, the smash section. Like, you, there's a great the chance. The suicide seating. Yes. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I just started calling it the smash section. <laughs> Maybe they'll rename it. <laughs> what was your wife's roller derby name? E-L-E. Everybody love everybody. <laughs> and she's got the, uh, is she officially done? She got the nine-month injury, as they call it. Yeah, she, yeah she's uh, a, on this point, although it would surprise me if she came back. I think she may. Oh, um, is this breaking roller derby news, all of our uh, roller derby listeners? I don't know. I, mean, <laughs> uh, I don't have any secrets in this world, so yeah. my guess is she's, uh, she'll make that decision once the nine months are over, as it were. Yeah. When she's got a, a brand new baby at home and just wants to get out of the house. Wants to hurt someone. <laughs> yes, that's why Jeff started roller derby. Most young mothers like to do that. And yeah. they don't want it to be their children, so it's a good fit. I didn't want it to be me. <laughs> so that's what I made. It's like, Jess, we, you know, we watched the movie Whip It, and it's like, maybe you should go play, uh, play some roller derbies. Now, Jess has been at roller derby for, I don't know, it seems like forever. It never ends. It just, it's like a year-round thing. But I was like you, but I didn't ref. I just NSO'd at everything. Because, just because with the kids and stuff, and it was her time to get away 
and get that break. And uh, I would encourage a lot of stay-at-home moms, especially, are just frustrated wives and mothers in general. Go play some roller derby <laughs> and spare your husbands. I okay. This may be in the future. We definitely got to get the whole Flint Flint roller derby team on here. I don't know if we could get the whole team. Dude, on. it would be so sweet. And then Sean can just ref the ref the podcast episode. Well, make sure can, everybody plays nice. Yeah. Are you thinking you're going to pull the pews out of the church here and we Ooh. set up a track? No, they actually. know what's funny is they they practice at one of our church locations, and I just realized that over the summer, since we don't we're, we're not meeting on Wednesday nights, that the roller derby team actually comes to church more than, <laughs> more than church people do. <laughs> Oh gosh! I tell you, uh, this uh, this past uh, Saturday, I volunteered with our roller derby team at the Warrior Dash, and we got uh, we were trash people. We picked up trash for eight hours, seven hours, and then we put tables away. Warrior Dash is nasty. At least seven hours worth of nasty. Apparently, it was raining all day. Have you do you know what Warrior Dash is? I've heard of it, and I've just never had any interest. Well, it's like it's a five k run with like obstacles. Again, running. There's no goals. There's no hockey sticks. I'm not interested at all. (laughs) I'm just saying that place was filthy, and we picked up trash all day long, all in the name of roller derby and community service. There were twelve thousand people there. Wow, that was insane. There was way more people there than I thought would be there. All because they want to feel like macho. And be aggressive. No, I mean, it was, it was, there were all kinds of body types. And I mean, muddy body types <laughs> that were going through this place. It was, uh, it was different for sure. A different experience. Anyway, today we're talking about homeschooling. Oh yeah. We, we got way, <laughs> nice segue, Jason. Yeah, I know. I'm, the, I'm terrible at endings and segues. We could start a roller derby homeschooling group. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but see, there would be a tight-knit community, so you wouldn't have like the awkwardness, I guess, is what usually comes out of homeschool children. They have these awkward social skills. Oh. <laughs> You're such a jerk. That did not come from me. I just want to point that out. I'm going to get so many emails about this. Dude, would you like to take a mulligan there? Yeah, let's take a mulligan. (laughs) And we're back with Sean talking about homeschooling. Perfectly normal. All right, so where did we leave off at before we left for the break? Oh, so we kind of made it seem like uh, homeschool is evil. And I don't think we want to say that homeschool is evil because it's not. Um, Sean, you brought it up really well that every kid is, is designed differently by God. So what works for one kid may not work for another kid. So you want to elaborate maybe a little bit more like when, when parents should homeschool? Well, I think it's something that every parent has got to figure out for themselves, for their child. And maybe they got to figure it out differently for different children within their families. Any school you go to, whether it be public, whether it be Christian, it doesn't matter. It's an institution. And anytime you have an institution, they're going to set up a system in which they're going to do their best to, to put together a program that will serve as many kids as, as possible. But that's not going to serve every kid. It's going to be as many kids as possible. And we all know the stories of kids who have fallen through the cracks or, or filled gaps in some way. 
and uh, quite honestly, weren't able to have all their needs met. And that's where parents really got to be mindful of that. And so for certain kids or for certain families, the best choice for them is homeschooling. And I'll be honest, the genie's out of the bottle on that. Parents have figured out that it is possible. And by the way, when you do that, your world becomes a whole lot more flexible. You know, family vacations now happen when you want family vacations to happen. The school day starts and ends when you want it to start and end. You know, it now miraculously fits into your family's day every single day. And I think that's a powerful point. So, yeah, and actually, the, the, I think one of the reasons why people do is because they, they, they like to have like a little bit of control over the curriculum. Well, absolutely. You know, one of the things, though, that I think parents have to be very mindful in that is, you know, public schools put systems in place to kind of check and see how is progress happening. You know, they're able to tell you through various assessments at what grade level your child is reading, at what grade level is your child performing in math, all those kind of key elements. For, and I know there's a lot of homeschooling programs out there, but I think parents who do choose to homeschool have to be very mindful of that. And they have to ensure that after 12 years of their child going through their homeschool program, that their child is ready to go out into the world and be a part of the common good, to make the world a better place, right? Isn't that what we do when we raise our children? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a key element. Yeah. So I, I have to share this story real quick. Right. Since we're kind of talking a little bit about curriculum and, and finding out where your child is at. And, my, and a friend of mine asked me to share this story. Um, he was homeschooled up until about junior high. And um, then he then he was uh, he did a few years in um, in private school, and then his junior and senior year of high school he did public. So he got to see the whole spectrum. Mm -hmm. He said it was really fun, and this is where it gets a little bit silly. Was really fun that during science class one time, or right before science class, his mom uh, shot a raccoon, and then they dissected it for their science <laughs> class. <laughs> I, I have no comment. <laughs> Laura Clayton, we need to teach oh all goodness. of our outing by name. America's youth. <laughs> I... <laughs> you didn't think I was going to go that way, did you? You thought I was... I kind of no, led into it very seriously. You just, <laughs> you just, just opened it up. You just reassured that I am not fit for homeschooling. <laughs> I would not be able to do that. Not a chance. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> <laughs> well, there's lots of creative ways to teach children, and I think that's important that we, uh, we make like sure nice way of to, uh, yeah. to uh, be as, as didactic in our approaches in, in oh order my to meet gosh. specific children's needs. Thank you so much for cleaning up our messes. <laughs> in, in no way am I endorsing the, the killing of animals. <laughs> So yeah, it, it really comes down to, and I think that one of the resolutions that we're coming to with this episode is it really does come down to what is best for your child. And maybe that means you have, let's say you have a family of four kids. Two of those kids go to public school, and maybe two of those kids need to stay home and do homeschool. Now, I knew a family that was like that. They, they had determined that one of their kids was ready to go off to, um, in their case, they'd send them to a private school, but they were ready, and they, they sent another one in, and just uh, the, the social atmosphere, he just was not, he was not ready for it. I don't know if, if they ever did, but he was able to learn a lot better 
at home than he was around so many people. And I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it, again, it goes back to looking at each child individually and assessing them and loving them and caring for them and, and making that determination. Well, and that's one of the reasons I really do, if you're looking at a homeschool option, I do promote a homeschool association mm. because it allows parents to work with other groups of families to sit around and determine how they would like to work together. Part of it is we all have just different talents and different gifts. Some people have a gift for math. Some people have a gift for literature. Some people have a gift for shooting raccoons and dissecting them. <laughs> I mean, we all have different gifts in this world, and I think this allows parents to work from each other and to share those gifts and talents amongst you know, a group of parents to work with all these kids and still have the ability to be flexible and still be able to have a, a greater understanding of who your children are interacting with and hanging out with, which I know is always a concern with a lot of homeschool families. Um, but I do, the other side of it is they really do keep each other accountable mm. because they get a chance to see kids of the same age group and say, how does my kid measure up? Is there any, is there any other advice uh, that you would give to maybe a parent who is saying, you know what, I've, I've researched the options, public and private school, or I just don't think they're possible for my child the way they learn. So I think I'm going to go the homeschool route. Is there any advice you would say to a, to a parent who says they're going to homeschool Maybe give them some advice of what they should do. My argument is you're not off the hook. And it doesn't allow you just to look insular and focus just on your family. Don't get me wrong, we're supposed to focus on our families and that's all very important. But I think we have to acknowledge if I'm going to go that route, I still need to care about my public school district. I still need to care about the Christian school that a lot of my friends and neighbors are sending their kids off to. The truth is, is we should want those to be as good as possible because every child deserves an excellent education, period. It's good for all of us when all kids get to have that opportunity. Man, that's, that's so true. That is, yeah, and that's, that aspect is something I, I would have never considered because I'm selfish. Like, I just am. So I would have never have thought to do that, even though I think naturally in some ways by volunteering at the school, I, you know, I am doing that to a degree, but at the end of the day, I'm not thinking like, I'm not really concerned about that other child's education, and I should be, right? Even, even the least of these. Like, I should care across the board. I should know what's going on. And to me, that's what I said was, was convicting for me. Even going to public school, uh, just to be aware of who's on your school board. And, I mean, you think about it. What if, what if uh, you know, you had a substantial amount of your congregation show up at a school board meeting? I mean, how many, how many people show up at a school board meeting as it is? Depends on the district. and it, I mean, sometimes you have packed houses and sometimes you can show up and no one's there. I mean, it really depends on what's the, on the agenda. Yeah, so I mean, uh, think about this though, like, like the good and bad of it. So say 100 Christians from a, from a church show up and then you get a number of parents who are saying, well, I don't want my kids to have that Christian influence and they show up. Isn't that still like for the benefit of the school district? Because now you just had 200 people show up and they're having open and honest dialogue and back and forth issues. And we're not hiding behind anything. We're not keeping our thoughts and opinions to ourselves, but we're there. Well, and what's your reason for not going, right? Probably convenience. Yeah. And yeah. time. So we're sacrificing children to the God of convenience and time. Yeah. I mean, I'm just throwing that out there, and I know that sounds very blunt and candid, but, you know, I mean, it's you, true, though. your schools are determining what books 
children are exposed to. These kids are going to grow up. These are going to be your future doctors, your future politicians, your lawyers, your policemen, your firemen, the cook at the, the local restaurant. I mean, it doesn't matter what the job is. They're going to become a part of the community. They're going to be the leaders of our communities. They're going to be who we interact with. I would hope that we would want these people to grow up and be all that they were meant to be. You know, there's, there's that great quote, and I just I think about it often, that we were not made for comfort. We were made for greatness. And I think we have to acknowledge that. And as the adults, it's our job now to make sure that kids are formed for that greatness. So, Sean, what do we do? Well, I think the key is we, we get active, we get involved, we care. I'm not saying everybody has to run for school board. I'm not saying that everybody has to now, you know, quit their jobs and move into their public schools and <laughs> be a nuisance to the, the school teacher. I'm not saying yeah. that at all. But I don't think we have a right to remain ignorant of it. Hmm. You know, you, you mentioned at the start of this whole podcast about people within your local church community not really knowing what was going on in the schools. I still hold schools are public places. We have the right to go and to see and to know. And I think it's our duty to know that. It's in our community. I mean, it's a pretty important place. Most people can tell you the different types of mayonnaise at their local grocery store. They have no idea what's going on in their schools. And I think people can't be ignorant of that. I think it's important for people to watch the agendas of their school boards. I'm not saying you have to go to every school board meeting, but when there's an agenda topic that you find questionable, that you want to promote, that you just want to ask questions of, I think go and sit, find out, be active. And again, I still hold if, if communities within the community are concerned or want to see their schools head in a certain direction, then talk amongst your community and see about getting someone elected. And we have that right. This is America where we get a vote. Make so, your vote count. So what kind of influence can parents have? I mean, how, how deep is their reach into the school? Well, let's look at you, for example, right? You talked about how you're a watchdog, right? Yeah. That's important. That means something to the kids that you interact with. That means something to the parents yeah, of no those kids. That. And it means something to the teachers. You know, teachers work really hard. Oh, my goodness. They're and saints. They are saints. And they oh, put up with God. so much. Yeah. And usually they put up with angry parents like you and me. Yeah. I mean, at times. We're not always angry. But we, we question a lot of things. And that's a good thing. We have to acknowledge we're all in this together. And we're not just for our kids. We're all in this together for all kids. And I think that's the key here. Hmm. Wow. I'm definitely going to maybe think about sending my kids to public school now. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're getting involved, right? I, yeah, that's the thing. Like, you think about it. It's almost like, ah, oh, they're having another school board meeting and they're, not, they're having another PTA meeting or whatever. And it's really, no, 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 no. Those meetings are for your benefit. Actually, no, the benefit for this, this institution of a, of a school, whether it be elementary, middle, or high school. And we're doing this for you. You get what, get what I'm saying? Like, they want to communicate. It's almost like, it's almost like when God says... You know, I want you to pray to me. I want you to ask me for things. Like that's a, for me, like when I think about a school board meeting, that's, that's where our opportunity to actually bring forth our concerns and say, hey, this is what's on my mind. I'm a little worried about this or I want to encourage this. 
And for a parent to say, no, I'm not going, that's, a, that's an inconvenience for me, I think is very foolish. So I think you hit the nail right on the head, Sean. Get involved. And I think that's hard for people because, like I said, I think we, we sometimes live, uh, we have seasons where we live in a very entitled sure. culture. But if our kids are really important to us, if we really love our kids, then we do need to get involved and we do need to care about their education. Well, and I would also encourage you to look at all options. Look at your local public school. Look at the neighboring charter schools. Look at the Christian schools in your area. Look at homeschooling. I mean, watch your child grow and pray and, and figure out what's going to be the best thing for your child. Yeah, I, th I just think you know, some of the, the stuff that we as a family have experienced in in getting involved is especially going to these classrooms and and seeing how much you know uh the teachers and the kids love just having us there and and then watching the teachers and seeing how much help they need i mean especially like uh, you take a school district like davison which is a school of choice and so now there's like there's a huge influx of kids mm -hmm. huge influx of kids and you, you know there's uh there's, there's uh, all kinds of parental engagement, you know. If, if kids are coming in from the Burton area, or I'm not, I'm not saying like they're bad kids or anything, but it's just it. It seems like um, more and more kids are coming into the school district who don't have two parents at home, and by doing a little thing like volunteering at your school and being a watchdog, you're a parent to them for a short amount of time. And to me, like, it's, it's not just about an, an opportunity to influence with the gospel. It's an opportunity to influence just as a good person <laughs> and just trying to brighten somebody's day and just being invested. It's, it's, it's saying to them, I, I care. I think it would be really annoying if, uh, if all the parents just showed up to a school board meeting whenever there was a problem. I think that would get kind of old really fast. But if there's just a consistent engagement, like you said, not necessarily going to every single meeting, but if you just made it a priority to go to, you know, every other meeting or something, if there are a number of parents to engaged events, in that. like that the school is hosting as well. Like, yeah. Man. You got to remember that public office, be it on a large scale or on a small scale, it's pretty thankless. Right? Why do people yeah. do this? They do it because they care. They do it because they want to make a difference. And I know there's all kinds of backhanded compliments and sarcastic things you can say, you know, insert here. But in the grand scheme of things, I've worked with a lot of these people. And truthfully, really, they just want to make the place better. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, so often all they ever hear from their constituents or from parents is just negative activities. I think it's important to, to just affirm them. Yeah. But don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid to bring concerns when you have them because that's why they're there. I mean, that's the whole purpose of this. It's how it's structured and it's meant that way. Yeah, I think the, maybe the worst thing you could do would, would almost be to, to pull your kids out of school and then have zero engagement. It's, to me, if I were a public school teacher or a private school teacher and I went to school and I got this education and... You, yet you're going to pull your kids out anyway and you're not going to get involved and you're just going to sit and criticize on the, on the sidelines, to me that would just be really insulting. It, it, 
I don't know, it would, it would kind of devalue my education. Teachers already don't make very good money to begin with. And to sit like, to sit through what some of them sit through all day with these kids is just incredible. I, I've been to some classrooms where you have a group of good students and the class is just top notch. And you have other classrooms where you get uh, four or five bad eggs. And it's not that they're bad eggs, it's, it's probably because they need something. They need a parent or they, you know, they just need another set of eyes on them. But these teachers, with more and more kids coming in, it looks like, you know, sometimes they can get completely overwhelmed. <laughs> and, yeah, I think, I think even if you're homeschooling, like you said, get involved. I think it's our duty. Yeah. That's the best way I can put it is I think we're all called to, again, I go, it's just it's good old-fashioned gospel values, right? Love your neighbor as yourself, and I think we're called to do that, and I think that's really where we have to head in the end. And if we're just putting our head in the sand and, and turning our backs to society, I don't think I want to answer for that. Hmm. That's super convicting. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what, when we met at the diner a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh, man, I thought, I thought I had some pretty good arguments against homeschooling, and it, it turns out after talking to Sean, I had some pretty strong convictions for myself, even sending them to public school. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, um, I, don't, I don't know, it's almost like this, this small culture is built up where, where people don't want to talk about anything. They just get defensive when somebody mentions something, but they don't ever talk about sure. it. So I think maybe you have some fear-driven homeschooling parents. They're, they honestly care about their child's salvation. Well, well who doesn't? Everybody, everybody does, but I think they go from there and they start hedging themselves in with all this this extra stuff. Well, the education levels better, or you know, I can I can do this and I can do that, and it it it, it builds up to a series of arguments, and then you get the statements. Well, I send my kids to our, I homeschool my kids because I love them. It's not like the other parent doesn't love them. I I think that's the kind of mindset I would love to see get out of the church. And just realize that you you need to love your kids, yes. You need to love my kids, too. Mm-hmm. And you need to live, love the other kids in the community. And you need to get involved. Well, we tend to fall into this trap of, yes, I'm a child of God, but I'm not an only child. That's right? awesome. <laughs> we're, we're so you get that tattoo yeah, or get I a know. bumper sticker. That's going to be a tattoo. And I think we have to acknowledge that, that, you know, as much as we worry about salvation, for ourselves, or even just for our family, we have to worry about it for everybody. That's what we're called to do. Yeah. All right. Well, Sean, thank you so <laughs> yeah. much. No, that's why we had you on the show. That's like <laughs> glad I could be here. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being our first guest and dealing with all of our our shenanigans. I guess yeah, is the best no, way to I say. I wanted to set the bar very low. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Well, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of stuff Alex are saying throughout this show, we're we're joking and playing into stereotypes. We don't think, yeah, homeschool kids are slow or anything of that nature. We're just no. we're just doing it from a comical standpoint. But I think you have knocked our heads straight a little bit with some with some practical common sense and uh, uh, a gospel call, like uh, just a, a reminder of what we're supposed to be doing. And what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. And that includes our children and that includes their schooling. Mm-hmm. I just think education is it's probably the most important gift we give kids. 
and I don't pull punches in my conversation with it because we talked as we started this. We said, or I said, you know, we live in uncertain times, which probably every generation has said. Yeah. But I certainly feel that way, and I think the solution is by putting our kids in an environment where they're going to thrive and can go out and, and be the change agents to the world that we want them to be. Well, Sean, again, thank you so much for coming. Everybody who's going to listen to this, we love you. Thank you so much for supporting us. Yeah, get involved in your uh, in your public school district, and let's make America great again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> you went down that route. I did. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm going to go home and cry myself to sleep. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for listening today. If you have... Uh, any comments, any feedback, anything you want to throw into this argument, please get a hold of us. Uh, yeah, I'm going to post a blog here uh, this week, and you guys will read it before you hear this episode. But make, make comments on that when, when you do get a chance to read it. Or send us an email at um, notyourpastorspodcast at gmail.com. Pretty much the shortest email <laughs> that we could have thought of. But seriously, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. And remember, always keep your stick on the ice. Oh, my gosh. <laughs>